0: Welcome to Out of the Shallows with Rachel Strange. Here we have honest, thoughtful conversations about Jesus, his people, and his way. We don't have to look away from the hard or weird stuff. We can step out of the shallows. Hey, welcome to the show. So today we are talking about the question, What does it mean to be yourself, but also be like Jesus? Earlier in the year, I read a book called Walking with God by John Eldridge. The focus of this book was essentially a memoir about a single year in which Jonathan Eldridge committed to pray about and listen for God's voice about everything. Throughout the whole year, anytime that he did anything, he stopped and listened for what he thought God might be saying time he faced anything he stopped and listened for what god might be saying but one of the things that john found himself praying during this time was rebuild my personality based on your love and this is the phrase that stuck with me from this book more than anything else that i read in it like at this point i probably read at the beginning of the year and if you were to ask me what stuck out to you From the book, it's this phrase, this prayer that Jonathan Eldridge prays. Rebuild my personality based on your love. Can I just ask you something? Does this prayer scare you like it does me? I mean, honestly, ever since I read the book, I've been reminding myself to pray this prayer, praying it at random moments, and yet... I don't always have the courage for this prayer. And it leads to another question. What does it mean to be yourself, to be you, to be who God created you to be, to be that unique thing that makes you you? I mean, that's the message of our culture, be yourself. But what does it mean to be yourself and also be like Jesus? I think we all understand that we are all different. We're all unique in lots of ways. In the words of a book that I love to read to my daughters called God's Very Good Idea, some people like to read books, some people like to ride bikes. The whole point of the book is that there are ways we are the same and ways that we are different. We understand that God purposely didn't make us all the same. There is plenty in the Bible that talks about how all of us have different gifts And all of those gifts make up what we call the body of Christ. God didn't make us all the same on purpose. It's not an accident that we are different. And yet, as my therapist likes to remind me, our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. As one of my favorite preachers, John Tyson, recently said in a talk that, as you can guess, I will link in the show notes, Culture, especially professional and corporate culture, tells us to focus on our strengths and ignore everything else. But Jesus confronts us in our weakness. He calls us to true greatness of character rather than reliance on our own strengths. He did this to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 when he didn't praise him, for keeping all the rules, but instead says, Hey man, if you want to follow me, sell everything that you have and then follow me. You see, the rich young ruler had a lot of strengths. When he walked up and to- was saying to Jesus, Tell me what I need to have eternal life, you know, when he's inviting himself basically to be a part of the crew, Jesus doesn't praise him for keeping all the rules well. He doesn't do what you might expect. I mean, the disciples, if you think about it, as this guy walked up wanting to join the gang, the disciples were either thinking one of two things. One, they were intimidated by his apparent Vibe like this is a guy that seems qualified, looks qualified, has money, has everything going for him. So the disciples might have been like, Oh, dang, we're about to get kicked out of our spot because this guy actually knows what he's doing, or they were excited because they were like, Finally, we're gonna have somebody with qualifications who legitimizes us on this team. It's not just gonna be a bunch of smelly fishermen anymore. Finally, this guy will make us look legit, but Jesus doesn't look at the man the way everybody else does. He spoke to this gentleman's weakness and invited him to move away from that weakness and into strength that comes from Jesus. If we are honest, this is probably the least popular thing that Jesus does. This scripture, this story can be a popular one to quote as like a catch-all thing that Jesus was saying to every rich person. And I do believe that Jesus does have unique, a unique challenge to give those of us who might be considered wealthy in this world. And I say those of us because most of us who are listening to this actually probably qualify as wealthy in this world in the overall scheme of things. So Jesus does have a particular challenge to those of us who have a lot of stuff. But Jesus also individually challenges every person who follows him to confront their weaknesses. He calls the disciples out of their petty squabbles about who will get to sit in the important spots. He asks them to leave their jobs and their stability to come follow him. He tells someone to not go back and get things settled with their family before they start following him. He just says, if you're going to come, come. Jesus doesn't care about What we're scared of, I mean, he cares because he cares about us and he loves us, but he's like, if you're going to come, come. If you're going to follow me, follow me. And then he confronts the things that stop us from making him the actual king of our lives, the actual Lord of our lives. I would guess for me and for you, listener, we have a thing that Jesus is either currently confronting in us or wants to, just like what he did with the rich, rich young ruler. It might not be our money like it was for him, but chances are we have something like that that Jesus is inviting us to lay down a weakness that Jesus is confronting in us. Jesus confronts us in our weakness because. He wants to rebuild our personalities based on his love. Jesus didn't want the rich young ruler's life to be based on what he could do and accomplish and his stuff. Jesus invited the rich young ruler to give that up because all that stuff was the basis of his personality rather than the basis of his personality being on the love of the father and the friendship of the savior. Honestly, it might seem cruel to us that Jesus asked this. It probably did to the rich young ruler and that's why he walked away. But that call to confront weakness is a kindness, an invitation to have our personalities rebuilt based on love rather than accomplishment, earning, wealth, striving, what we have, what we don't have, anything that we can pride ourselves in. Because here's the thing, when my personality is built on something that I built myself, then my personality can be destroyed, my identity can be destroyed by something like that too. But when my personality is built on his love, apart from anything I say, do, build, or accomplish, nothing can take that from me. I want us to look Colossians a letter written by Paul and let's see what he has to say in chapter 3 since you have been raised to life with Christ set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand think about the things of heaven not the things of earth for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God and when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all his glory. If I'm a follower of Jesus, my life has been transplanted from one place to another. It's not just on the things of this earth, the things that I can accomplish, the realities of this earth. It's set on the realities of heaven where Jesus sits next to God at the throne. Jesus is on earth. Throne. That's the reality. My real life isn't in this. My real life is hidden with Jesus Christ and God. I've died to this life, but I get to share in the glory of who Jesus is because my personality is based on his love. And also, when all the world gets to see how great Jesus is, we share in that glory. This is what Paul says next in verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you all have stripped off your sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, your new personality, we might say, built on his love, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. We put on a new nature and we are renewed as we know our creator and become like him. We are renewed as we build our personality based on his love. Paul is saying here that Jesus calls us to cast off the things of this earth and the desires that reign stronger than God. St. Augustine called these desires disordered loves. Greed is a specific example here because it is a common one. And Paul calls it idolatry, meaning when we are greedy, we are worshiping stuff and money over God. We are worshiping something that God created versus the creator itself. We are worshiping a gift that God has given us rather than the giver. These are disordered loves. When we find disordered loves in our heart, it means our hearts are set down here rather than on the throne next to Jesus. And Jesus wants to confront that in us. Paul calls out some specific cultural identities here in this chapter and some of those things might have brought honor or in some of them might have brought shame depending on who you asked or the situation all these things circumcised uncircumcised jew gentile barbaric uncivilized slave or free all of those things had different standings and different with different crowds in our culture there are certain things that are more advantageous or less advantageous. Just as a personality trait, for instance, sometimes it can be more advantageous to be an extrovert, right? You're going to do well in interviews if you know how to be outgoing and that kind of thing. But all of us, regardless of our natural inborn personalities, are called to be in Christ. Christ is what matters. For all of us, from the workaholics to the sloths, the uncouth to the pretentious, the bland, to the brazen. We all are invited to put on a new nature, the nature of Jesus, the nature that is hidden in Jesus as we become more like our creator. It's a new way. We are hidden with Christ and God, and he wants to rebuild our personality based on his love. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, cl- must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, do it as representatives of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We can see here in Colossians, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, means putting some things to death. Some of our personality needs to be rebuilt based on love, and not just on us loving others, but on Jesus and his love for us. We put to death the mess, the worldly stuff, the lust, the sin of the flesh, all that stuff it says. And we put on the God stuff. And I'm not thinking that God wants to turn us into some kind of robots with no personality. There's this image in the book, The Wrinkle in Time. And there's this planet of people who live in perfect sameness. All the kids bounce the ball the same number of times before they go in the house. And they all bounce it at exactly the same time. Then they go inside. They eat the same things. They follow the exact same pattern. And in this world, the worst, scariest thing a child can be is playful or unique. We see this image of a kid who bounces his ball differently and the mom runs out to hide this strange, awful, unique child and bring him inside before anyone can see. But Jesus seems to enjoy and find purpose in the varied personalities of his followers. He inspired four very different personalities to write different accounts of his life. We don't see the personalities of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John erased in those Gospels. We see them shine through. All of them, in all their little quirks, shine through in those Gospels. We don't see Paul or Peter's personality squished away in the letters they wrote to the early church. They are allowed to be who they are. But yet... We also see they are hidden in Christ, all people becoming like our creator, made more in his image every day. What does it look like to ask the Father, what does it mean to be like Jesus in my specific life situation, work, personality, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram type, disc, whatever, what does it look like for, for me to become more like Jesus. For all of us, there is a version of us that most reflects who Jesus created us to be. So what if we prayed the dangerous prayer, rebuild my personality based on your love? What do we think God would change in us if we became more aware of his love for us and his love working in us, confronting us with the ways that we could be more like him. Let's pray. God, rebuild our personalities based on your love, based on a foundation of your fatherly love for us, based on an awareness of your love for us, based on time spent focusing on your love for us rather than what we have or do or our badges of honor that we proudly display. We want our lives to be based in the love that we can't earn and can't change. And you long to rebuild us into something so much more wonderful than how we are right now. So start now. You find us absolutely lovable now in this moment and yet you are also rebuilding confronting shaping and molding us and help us to be aware of the ways that you love us the ways that you cherish us and the ways that you change us help us to see how you are rebuilding us and help us to listen to your voice to know your call to not like the rich young ruler run away afraid, but instead to run to you, right up to you with joy as you shape us like the potter shapes the clay. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Out of the Shallows with Rachel Strange. I would love to invite you for this and any previous and future episodes to always check out the show notes. I love to connect to resources there and I encourage you to check out any links, the scriptures that I reference, anything like that. The truth is one of the things that I love to do is connect people with other resources, with other people who are talking about Jesus things, talking about his way, all of that kind of stuff. And I just know that I am not The person who's going to say it the best, say it the smartest, I am totally fine with you going and checking those people out. So as always, I encourage you to check out the show notes for any further resources. Also, if you wanna help the show, if you wanna help Out of the Shallows, one of the best ways that you can do that is to share this with your friends. Share this with your mom, your sister, your brother, whoever, and let them know that this might be a great resource for them. You could do that in a text message, on social media, whatever works for you. And as always, I appreciate when you leave me a five-star review. Thank you so much to every person who listens. You guys are awesome and I will see you in two weeks.